Hello friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable inviting you to stay tuned for this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus. We're so glad to be with you today. We do pray that this broadcast will contain teachings from the Word of God that will instruct you, will edify you, that will intrigue you, that you'll want to know more about the goodness and the greatness and the graciousness of this mighty, wonderful God and Savior that we serve. If you're not a Christian today, please don't turn the dial. You've already been listening to Christian music, a classic Christian music. Hallelujah. Amen. And now we want you to hear the the reason and the inspiration behind all of these lyrics and all of these wonderful songs of hope and faith. Uh, this is not uh, some kind of false assurance that we have. This is blessed assurance. Hallelujah. This is not a panacea. This is a peace that passes understanding. This is something very, very real today. Day. And you can know the reality of God and His grace in your life through His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, by His Holy Spirit. Amen. I just believe God is going to speak to someone in this listening audience today uh, in a particular and peculiar way that you will be able to know that God is speaking through His Word to you today. I'm going to read the Scriptures and, and make some comments about about them, but but the scripture itself is the the main uh, organ by which God speaks to His people and to others, and that's why that He chose the foolishness of preaching, as the scripture describes it, uh, not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching to save them which were lost. Something that seems so uh, so weak in and of itself, a preacher is up reading scripture and yet. It is the actual release of the power of God into the life of anyone who receives it. Praise God. Amen. Well, we're excited to get into the message today, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. Uh, there is something in the devil's arsenal that is his most precious weapon. Someone put it in a little story form, a little uh, uh, story to help us to grasp the importance of encouragement and how much we need to receive it in our own life and how much we need to give that encouragement to others. And uh, the story goes like this, that Satan was holding a yard sale. The devil had a big yard sale. And all of the demons who wanted to help him in his desire to destroy uh, mankind, the object of God's love, they came to the yard sale and he was selling off tools that had become dull or tools that didn't work as good as they used to and demons were bidding on all of the different tools that were his personal tools to get into someone's life, deceive and then destroy. And uh, one demon came and said to the devil, I'll, I want that tool, the one on the top shelf back there, not the one that's out front for sale, but I want that one that's on the top shelf behind you. And the devil said, that tool is not for sale. And the demon said, but I'll pay top dollar. And the devil said, that tool is not for sale at any price, because that tool is discouragement. And if I can get that tool, 
and that weapon into anyone's life, I can easily defeat and destroy them. Now, this little story illustrates the power of Satan's deception and his destructive work through discouragement. Someone has said that you can, you can live without uh, uh, food if you're in perfect health for uh, 30 days at least. You can live without water for three days before you begin to dehydrate. And if you don't find water, you will die. You can live without oxygen for three minutes before brain cells begin to die. But you can't live without hope. For one second. The moment all hope is lost. That discouragement gets so deep it leads us to despair. Then there is no light at all in that life. And the enemy is the master of deception and discouragement. Making people feel like there is no hope. And I'm going to tell you, without God, without looking to God uh, for that hope, uh, we can get into that place. And even if we're looking to God, if discouragement gets in our life, we can find ourselves in a place of depression, in a place that discouragement brings us, bringing us close to despair. And this is, this is common. Everyone has to fight this giant of discouragement. There's not a preacher on television or radio or anywhere that has ever lived that at some point in their life, this weapon wasn't used against them. And they overcame it. And that's what we want to talk about. We, want to, we do not want to talk about how to never be discouraged. We want to talk about how to recover if you find yourself in that predicament. And particularly when it begins to touch your spirit, beyond your mind, beyond your emotions, but when it begins to touch your spirit. And that's why our teaching is how to recover from a wounded spirit. We take our text for last week from Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14, which says the spirit of a man, will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. And we picked out a man that clearly had a wounded spirit in Psalm 77, but he recovered from it. His name is Asaph. And he said, I cried unto the Lord, Psalm 77, 1. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear to me in the day of my trouble. I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Doth His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember 
the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of thy work and talk of all thy doings. I want to read this from the paraphrase to put it in practical language so maybe we can relate better to exactly where Asaph was before he recovered from that wounded spirit. He said, I cry aloud unto God, I cry aloud, he hears me. In times of trouble I pray to the Lord all night long, I lift my hands in prayer. But I cannot find comfort. When I think of God, I sigh. When I meditate, I feel discouraged. He keeps me awake all night. I'm so worried I cannot speak. Most scholars would interpret that. I can't continue to pray. It seems that prayer is futile. Uh, I think of the days gone by, he says, and remember years of long ago I spend the night in deep thought. I meditate, and this is what I ask myself. Will the Lord always reject us? Will He never again be pleased with us? Has He stopped loving us? Does His promise no longer stand? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Here's a profile of a wounded spirit. Number one, you cannot find comfort in God. Verse two says, my soul refused to be comforted. A wounded spirit, number two, is filled with discouragement. Verse three said he complained and his spirit was overwhelmed. And three, both our prayers and our testimony, our profession of faith are lost. He said, I'm so troubled I cannot speak. I cannot pray or I cannot, uh, I cannot testify anymore. I can't share my faith. Number four, a wounded spirit questions God's love and faithfulness in verses five through nine. Is his mercy gone? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Does he no longer keep his promises? Will he never remember us and love us and help us again? You see, that, that is Satan's tool. That is the devil's tool. And it's not just affecting uh, adults that have went through a lot of life's problems, but very, very young people who haven't really uh, gone through a whole lot of things in their life, and yet they're sensing this helplessness, this hopelessness, this discouragement in life that leads to despair. The second largest killer of young men and women in America is suicide. The second largest killer of young men and young women in America is suicide. When all hope is gone, then there is no reason to continue to live. And and this 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 terrible sense of helplessness and hopelessness can settle into a Christian when we lose our focus and we begin to feel that terrible weight of the world's pressures upon our life and upon our mind. And we begin to question God. And then the devil has us in a situation that is so very dangerous. We dare not entertain this self-pity that comes with that feeling and this idea that God has forsaken us. You see, Jesus gave us a promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
I will go with you all the way, even unto the end of the age. But the reality is that sometimes we feel God forsaken. We can feel because we can't always comprehend, especially when our emotions are so overwhelmed and our mind is so overwhelmed. We cannot comprehend that that spiritual realm and that spirit of God that is with us and within us if you're a child of God. But we sense that heaven is distant and God is, is somehow uh, 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 sitting aloof in his heaven untouched and unconcerned about what is happening to us, and we begin to give in to despair. You see, there's a dark place that we can get into. The world may call it clinical depression, to where if you don't get out of it, that's when people absolutely give up on life. Friend of mine, I want you to know that there were other people in the Bible that went through these dark places And God brought them out. And it begins with remembering what God has done. Verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we talked about that last week. And we talked about the fact that if God ever did it, He'll do it again. And if He's ever did it for anyone, He will do it for you. There's a, a, an absolute certain statement in the New Testament that we know that God is no respecter of persons. In essence, He loves all of us as if there was only one of us. God has no stepchildren. We are all the children of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to remember and rehearse what God has done. I love the great song that says it is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. Hallelujah. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. He'll deliver you. He will help you. It is no secret what God can do. So we need to remember what He has done because He said He's the Lord God of Israel and He changes not. And number two, we need to direct our thoughts to the good things of God. Asaph said, I will meditate also of all of thy work. Meditation is a form of private devotion or spiritual exercise, consisting in deep, continued reflection on some religious theme. Well, in this case, it's more than a religious theme. In this case, we're talking about a person who is the centerpiece of the Christian faith, and that is our Father God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply stated, meditation is keeping the focus of our thoughts upon that truth about God that so overrules the temporary tendency to worry and fear that it will disarm distractions and it will bring us out of discouragements. Psalm 63 and verse 5, says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 63 and verse 6 says, When I remember thee, 
upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Hallelujah. And one translation says, as actually a paraphrase, as I lie in bed, I remember you. All night long I think of you because you have always been my help. Praise God. Amen. You know, the, the scripture says that, that the target of the enemy's influence initially is our mind. And if he has access to our mind long enough, then it begins to translate and transfer to our spirit. And when we become spiritually discouraged, you see, the spirit of a man will sustain whatever weaknesses he has in his, in his ability to cope. Everybody's not wired the same. My meemaw, some of us have a grandma, a mama, a, a, but I had a meemaw. And my meemaw lived in Kentucky uh, in, 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 uh, just after the turn of the century uh, and into the, into the 19th century. Uh, and she lived way, way, way out where there was no, n- nothing uh, to help them in terms of doctors and hospitals and dentists and <laughs> Novocaine. <laughs> she, she didn't even have aspirin. So I asked her, what did you do when you had a toothache? She said, well, we had a a dentist that came uh, riding on a mule uh, every two or three months, and he would make his rounds. And if you needed a tooth pulled, he would pull it. If you needed some work done, he would do it with the limited tools that he had to work with. And she said, one real bad winter in the mountains of Kentucky, I got a terrible toothache, and it would not stop. It just would not stop. And it was driving me crazy. I couldn't cook. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. The pain was unbearable. And she said, so I took an ice pick and I held it uh, over the the grate, the fire uh, uh, of the, of the log fire. I held it over the fire until it glowed red on the end. And I took it and I stuck it down in the cavity of that tooth. Oh, friend of mine, just listening to that made me sweat. (laughs) I'm telling you, just to think of the pain initially that came when she pushed that down, but she gave herself a root canal. She killed the nerve. She killed the bacteria (laughs) she until she could get the tooth out one thing is for sure after that pain the other pain (laughs) not only wasn't as bad she said it stopped until she could get the tooth pulled out a friend of mine there is pain that becomes unbearable and there is pain that we can't stop Uh, There is pain that touches us so deeply, uh, and it's the pain in our mind and in our emotions that hurts so deeply. We can't fully explain it. Anyone going through that pain to people that have never experienced the pain of heartache and heartbreak, the the actual pain of guilt itself uh, layered in over time can become unbearable. Literally, when when it touches our spirit, then we can't receive help from God. We begin to question God's faithfulness. We don't have faith to believe that He's going to help us. We don't have patience to wait upon the Lord, and we interpret His delay 
as his denial. And I want to declare unto you today, God's delay is not necessarily his denial. They that wait upon the Lord, I'm not talking about taking a number, but pursue him in spite of their feelings, in spite of the circumstances or time passing. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That means to actively pursue Him, to seek Him, to continue to believe Him in spite of the dark clouds and the darkness. Friend of mine, there is a place called the horrible pit. David had got in that place, and he said that God delivered me from the horrible pit. You can read David's life story and, and see him go from this great uh, champion of Israel and a great king in Israel to a man so tormented by his own guilt and his own lack of repentance that allowed that guilt to continually grip him. And, his, and not only guilt, but, but later on in his life when his own son turned against him and wanted to kill his father and take his kingdom, and had an army raised of his own countrymen to help him to come and seek out David and kill him. And David ended up in the wilderness. And he, he conquered the guilt by repentance, but now he's dealing with the pain and the consequences that followed him in his life. And he's living in the wilderness, running from his own son, away from the holy city. <laughs> and he's so hungry to be home and so hungry to be back near the temple where he knew behind that linen veil the presence of the God he loved was manifest. And he said, as the heart pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants after thee, O God. And it motivated him, amen, to continually seek God until the victory came and the deliverance came and the, the peace came back. Oh, friend of mine, how we need that kind of attitude. A wounded spirit seemingly can't be comforted. And if we would just remember His works, rehearse the things that He has done in, in, in our life and in other people's lives and, and in David's life and in Asaph's life, someone today has been where you are and God has brought them out. And He didn't do it because He loves them more than He does you. He did it because they found a way to seek Him in spite of the circumstance, to remember Him and His goodness and to focus on His mercy and His grace. Praise God. Amen. Psalm 104 and verse 34 said, My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Milton in Paradise Lost wrote, The mind is its own place. The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. 
Oh, friend of mine, the mind is complex. The mind is vulnerable to different kinds of thoughts. And when we are weakened in our, in our nerves and our, our emotions, the mind seemingly runs out of control. Someone said every man has a train of thought which he rides. The dignity and nobility of his life as well as his happiness depends upon the direction the train is going, the baggage it carries, and the scenery through which it travels. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 8, to sum it all up, he said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Praise God, our friend today. We need to remember the goodness of God. We need to remember the mercies of God. And we need to meditate upon this good, merciful, great and mighty God and King that would condescend to come down, lay in a manger, grow to full manhood, and hang upon a cross for six hours in terrible agony and suffering so He could bear the penalty of our sins, so we could be pardoned. And this is the way Paul put it. He said, If God loved us enough to give us His only begotten Son, how shall He not with Him also give us all things? If God has given us the most precious gift that He could offer us, He will not withhold any good thing from them that keep their trust in Him, from them that will not give up on Him, to them that will not let hope go. You see, God wants you to become a prisoner of hope. That no matter what kind of situation you're in, you will remember His works. You will remember His person. You will meditate upon Him. You will think about His goodness. Every time I read about truth, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy of good report and things that stimulate praise, I don't think of biblical principles or poems that represent some biblical truth by some great poet, I think of a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus said? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All of the virtues of His character represents the very person and personality of God. God is a spirit, but He's a spirit with a character and a personality and Jesus said, I'm the embodiment. <laughs> when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Glory be to God. And every time I think about all that Jesus said and all that Jesus did and how he reacted and how he responded to, to the people who cried out to him, amen, his mercy, his grace, the release of his power, the leper who said, Lord, if thou wilt, Thou canst make me whole. And his response, I will. The blind man who said, Lord, that I might see. And Jesus said, as your faith be, 
So be it unto you, the woman who touched the hem of his garment, and immediately healing virtue, healing power flowed from him into her, and she was healed. This is the Jesus that we're dealing with today. This is the God that we're calling upon and praying to. The God of Israel that changes not. And the Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. Psalm 94.19 says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Praise God. Listen, friend. The mind will go straight to depression, straight to discouragement, straight to fear, unless we begin to turn it, literally begin to focus upon the Lord. And how do we begin that process? By remembering, calling to our mind, recalling to our mind His person and His grace, His goodness and His glory. Today, there is a way out of the horrible pit. David said it. He said, He has delivered me from the horrible pit. And I don't know what place you are in today, but someone has been in that place. I don't know what has touched your life, but you're not the only life that has been touched, tarnished, and troubled. And friend of mine, there's a God who loves you today. And who will not forsake you. Who will keep his promise to you. And I pray today that you will remember him. And that you will meditate upon him. And that you will once again call upon him. And not give up on God. And not give up on yourself. You've got faith today. Focus it. On His goodness, His faithfulness. And God will lift you out of the miry clay. And He will deliver you from the prison house of fear. Well, our time is gone. Would you come back next week? And let's talk about Jesus.